Welcome to Health Rants. Join us and learn how not to let healthcare rip you off or kill you. Together, we will explore the secrets of healthcare and give you insight on how to make a better and informed decision about your health and your healthcare. I'm Dr. Bob Braille. I'm a chiropractor for over 40 years, and I've seen it and heard it all. So welcome to our podcast, Health Rants. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Health Rants. And I've been waiting to do this particular episode for quite some time. The name of this one, Post-Pandemic. Oh, I know we all couldn't wait until we're kind of looking at this thing in the rearview mirror. And, you know, there are still some who say, oh, it's still my... You know what? We're done with it. <laughs> at least I am. And I'm sure most of you are, too. We went through a couple of years here of ups and downs and more surges and things like that. And it's really nice to get past the thing. But there's a whole bunch of stuff now that we need to start thinking about and, and asking questions about. And uh, a lot of what I'm going to have here is not based on any scientific studies and, uh, you know, big uh, surveys. But I kind of think you'll agree with a lot of the common sense thoughts I'm going to have here. So I'm going to hit a couple of topics in the hopes that we're, now that we're past this pandemic thing, remember the, the last big one was 18, it was 1918, you know, so it was huge. Um, you know, a lot of people died with that one and um, it had an effect, I'm sure, for a generation on people thinking about, you know, uh, how to deal with health and what takes place. Well, Guess what? This one's going to have it too. Uh, you know, first of all, there is going to be a psychological uh, change in the way people think. And, and to bring it to a more uh, common and a more current issue, you know, I was traveling a lot on, um, on and around, not on 9-11 itself, but just prior to 9-11. I was on the road a lot, at airlines a lot. And then 9-11 comes and, you know, the terrorists take down the World Trade Center. They crash into the uh, Pentagon. Uh, another jet drops into Pennsylvania. And I can remember it was probably a month later, the first time that I flew, that I actually flew out of New Jersey, out of Newark. And I noticed one of the uh, terminals there, one of their uh, um, gates, um, had a flag at half-mast at that gate. And that was one of the gates that the terrorists used to take off from. And I look around and I see all the people who are working the other gates and realize that in, in one scenario, the people who went through that gate never came back. And that was, you know, chilling to me. But it also changed from that point forward how I got on a plane, uh, not only from my standpoint, but from the security standpoint. You know, the searches that went there, they actually, you know, stopped every third person and did a physical search. And they actually, you know, increased how they did the checks on people. And I, I can remember as they were slowly starting to relax, it's starting to gain a little knowledge on how this is done. Like, okay, I don't want to be the third person online to get on a plane because the third person always got pulled for a physical search. You know, so if I was third online, I would like, oh, you want to go in front of me? And the person in front of me would get nailed in. You know, but, you know, after that, all the thought processes were different. 
you know, we always had to think about, okay, where are we on the plane and, you know, what's possible? And they, you know, put locks on the doors to the front of the plane. And, you know, they took great steps, but our whole thought process on traveling changed. You know, the lines got longer and a lot of stuff happened. Well, that same psyche and maybe even a larger uh, scale happened with the pandemic. I mean, how we think about people. I can remember when the pandemic first hit and, you know, they were shutting down businesses and closing down the economy. And if indeed, I mean, everybody had to wear, you know, you were told you all had to wear a mask and there were people who weren't, but let's talk about the mainstream here. And I can remember going to a Walmart and pushing my shopping cart, and I was probably wearing, it was required, so I was wearing a mask. Couldn't shop in a Walmart if you didn't have one. And turning the corner and somebody else was right there. And we looked at each other in fright like we're too close together. I mean, it was just a quick reaction. But, you know, prior to that, you know, people were squeezing by people. You go to a crowded event. It was no big deal. Now it was like the thought process was, I got to stay away from people. Even today, if you get on a line, I was at Panera Bread yesterday, and just out of habit, I was standing six feet away from the person in front of me, and the people, they were standing six feet away from the people in front of them, and the people behind me were six feet away from me. It was like this automatic psychological thing, even though we're kind of past this, of now we don't get so close to people. Now we spread out. You know, I still have patients coming in in their ma with their mask on. And interestingly, if I have people coming in who had COVID, you know, who had all the vaccines and, and they're still wearing a mask. So that whole psychological concept of, of you know, the fear is going to be there. It's going to take a long time in a general population for that to change. Now, add to that what takes place with children in school. I mean, kids miss the whole year of school. How is that going to affect them? Not only from an educational standpoint, but just from a reaction. Now, they're probably more resilient than their parents are and then the rest of the population is, but still, that's a huge difference. Now, we also see psychological things that have taken place in the economy itself. I mean, you know, we're all in the midst of this inflation, but let's keep in mind there's shortages and things like that. And a lot of it came from the big resignation, you know, that we hear about or the, you know, the people just not wanting to go back to work. They found a way to live without having, you know, they got maybe laid off or they had to quit with the pandemic or circumstances changed or their business went away. And people decided that, you know what, I can survive without having to work my tail off. And so now we have, if you go to any shopping center, you go down any street and you'll see help wanted. I mean, go to a fast restaurant, any fast restaurant or pass it by, and I guarantee you see a sign out there. We're hiring, you know. Every store is looking for workers because millions have decided, I don't need to go back to work anymore. My family can survive without me having to go crazy you know, and have two and three of us working or taking on two jobs and things. So now we have a real shortage of workers on, I, I would more guess, the entry-level jobs than on anything else. You know, and at the same time, we've closed up a lot of the borders, so a lot of people who would take entry-level jobs aren't even getting in. So, it, it, you know, whole psychological thing about the workforce, you know, and we can say that there may be short-term, but let, let's remind everybody of something. World War II was obviously a, a horrendous event on the world psyche. 
But you say, well, okay, well, that lasted a while, and those people have mainly passed away. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm a baby boomer. Do you know what that means? I was born post-World War II. And all of the generational waves that happened are because there was a World War II. The fact that we had baby boomers, the fact that we had an increased number of now people on Social Security and Medicare and the baby boomer thing is because there was a World War II. If that wasn't there, these waves of population wouldn't be occurring. So the psychological effects and the society effects of, of the pandemic are going to be with us for quite some time, even if we don't recognize them. The economy that we're living is a post-pandemic. Uh, yeah, they say the economy was growing. Yeah, it was growing on certain because the pent-up demand was there, but the supply couldn't keep up, and they still can't because they don't have the people to be able to produce the supply. So that changed drastically. So that caused prices to go up like crazy and everything. We can blame a bunch of government officials for this, that, and the other thing. But you know what? It really had a lot less to do with them other than their responses or lack thereof. And I'm not going to get crazy about that. But the pandemic had a huge effect on our psyche, on the mental. I mean, talk about mental health. I mean, how many? we've all read and now seen that there's a huge crisis in mental health problems, an increase in that. Um, you know, today is the day after uh, a massive shooting in Texas, uh, a tragedy, and we can discuss guns and things like that, but we also have to discuss mental health as well with that. So, you know, how many people have committed suicide has increased? How many, you know, people are, are just seeking mental health has increased? You know, the whole pandemic thing has had a huge psychological effect. And there's a little more than that, because, I mean, that's not the only issue. We could probably spend a whole podcast just speaking about that and coming up with things but it's certainly something we have to look at uh, from a societal issue uh, an individual psychological issue we need to start working on getting back together with people and getting out more and you know just just returning to a more normal life it's going to take a while but we need to try to get there and on a little thing are we going to be stuck with masks forever <laughs> You know, I, I still go into stores now and see people wearing masks. I mean, you know what? If the mask was required, I put it on. If it wasn't required, I didn't put it on. I have no investment either way on it. I didn't really care either way. Um, you know, it wasn't like I was going to make a statement. A piece of cloth to me wasn't making a statement. I've spoken about that in the past. But, you know, uh, now it's not required anywhere, so I don't wear it anywhere. Um you know, in my office, if a patient comes in with one out of respect when they go into the room, I put mine on. You know, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. They're here to get health care. Uh, but think about the psyche of having to do that and continue to do that. Um, when at this point, it's not really a necessity from a scientific standpoint, it isn't. You could argue whether it was in the past, but that's not what this discussion's about. But certainly, uh, you know, we're at a point now where are we going to have to live with masks forever? You know, um, I know as Americans, we used to constantly look at the Japanese and stuff. Look at the people wearing masks. You know, they go through that. Look at them wearing masks. You know, it looks kind of funny. Well, guess what? We them now. You know, we are now doing what they were doing. But how long will it last? Now, certainly a majority of the population is not. But, you know, go to a big box store. Uh, the workers are still wearing masks, for the most part, in most of the big box stores. A good percentage of the people, I was in a Walmart just the other day, a good percentage of people walking in there still wearing masks. Grocery stores, a number of people still wearing masks. 
not only the employees, I'm talking about people who are just coming into shops, they're wearing masks. That means there's a, a constant fear factor there that says, I should put this thing on, you know? And, and it's going to take a while for that psychology to go away. On a, a lesser uh, and, and hopefully comical front, um, I've seen people now without a mask that I actually didn't meet with <laughs> before they were wearing masks, uh, not only as, as patients, but just outside. And um, some folks got some ugly mouths. <laughs> I got to see some people's mouths that I never saw before. And you're always wondering what the mouth looked like. It had the big cloth over it, whether it be white, black, blue, whatever it was. But uh, for the first time, I got to see their mouth. And it's like changed the whole perspective of how their face looks. You know, some people look very kind of cool with that mask on. And then they have a mouth. And it's like, that's different. But that's neither here nor there. That's a kind of a little side thing. There are some other things we need to, uh, that I wanted to discuss here on the podcast relative to being in a post uh, pandemic situation. And I'm not offering solutions here. What I'm offering is discussionable thoughts so that you as an individual can go out and start to think about this, do some reading on this, maybe do some research on this, and start to look inward as to, okay, how are we reacting to it? Um, one of them is the immune system. Now, you know, uh, there's been a whole bunch of discussion about immunity and you know, I remember when the vaccine first came out, they were touting, I remember we went for a year and a half before they produced any such thing, and they were touting it was 95% effective. And I'm thinking they just produced it, and they haven't put it out there, and they're saying 95% effective. Well, guess what? <laughs> uh you know, that was like for production of antibodies within seven days, 95%. Great. We quickly found out that, oh, a lot of people were getting the infection who got the vaccine. And then they, okay, you got to have a second one. And you got to have a booster. And so guess what? The effectiveness of the vaccine supposedly uh, decreased dramatically to the point where I remember watching a news story where they said uh, a bunch of people got COVID who worked in a certain place and... Uh, they said the good news is that they, they were all vaccinated and none of them got seriously ill. And it was because of the vaccine. Um, and this was late in the pandemic. And in a, one of my previous podcasts, I talked about the idea that the normal occurrence of a scenario where, uh, you know, uh, any kind of a pandemic or any kind of a um, uh, COVID situation or any kind of a virus is that as it mutates, it becomes more infectious and less virulent, meaning it becomes less deadly. So the normal progression is that every wave of COVID would be slightly more infective and much less dangerous. And if you look at the numbers, you go to the CDC website, you look at the spikes and the death rate, not the total numbers, but the death rate, how many people got it versus how many people died from it, you'll notice that as we went from the initial to the Delta, which is the one I got, to the Omicron, to whatever's going on now, it became, to, to now they're thinking, what is it, half the population they're now saying has been exposed and got COVID, and many of them don't even know it. Um, but as it got more prolific through the population, it became less deadly, uh, but more infective. Now, that's the normal scenario of a virus. That's the way it works. I mean, we're still not living with a lot of the older viruses that came around that they, you know, oh, swine, pig, bird, whatever it was that was happening at the time. Um, and the reason is, is because it becomes 
more infective, but less dangerous to where you really don't, you know, you had a cold or maybe you had nothing. Viruses aren't effective if they kill all the hosts. That's just not how uh, nature works. So, you know, as we got to the point where it was, you know, uh, the immune system became more adaptive to it and the virus itself became less deadly. But I have a question here. Now, it has to do with uh, understanding physiology a bit. And I don't have any scientific data on this. I just kind of have a little bit of what I see on a personal level and on a, uh, you know, a level of a population of patients. But uh, if from an injury standpoint, if you break an arm and you put a cast on your arm, and the cast is on for several weeks. When the cast comes off, the musculature is weaker on that arm. You can see it's visibly smaller, smaller, uh, and a lot of it has to do that you didn't use it. So, you know, they're all saying if you don't use it, you lose it. Well, the same is true for the immune system. Now, there's no study on the COVID one, but there have been studies in the past that, you know, children who are more exposed, you know, they used to talk about Kids who play in the dirt have better immune systems. They do. Kids with pets have better immune systems. They do. Kids who are exposed to more things, their immune system is fighting. It's strengthening. It's like a muscle. It strengthens. So therefore, assuming it's not overwhelmed, um, you have a stronger immune system. Well, we went through a year and change where we were wearing masks and limiting personal exposure to each other. Um, did we lower our immune systems? Now, the test of that is, okay, did we become more susceptible to other things? Well, guess what? Kids go back to school and they all of a sudden, huge amounts of other types of illnesses and sickness, not necessarily severe, but the cold, the flu, this and that, little stomach virus, this happening. I mean, I became susceptible to things. And I have grandchildren that I see all the time. And they went to school and immediately after that, I got sick with little things for a day or two, you know. And my, I usually don't go any longer than a day, but... Still, uh, a lot more than I've experienced. And I noticed a lot of that other people, too. Because we had isolated ourselves, one of the possible negative effects was that we were not strengthening our immune system by putting it to work. It would be like not using your muscles and sitting in a chair all the time. You're going to be weaker. It's like when astronauts come out of space, their muscles are weaker, and they have to exercise in space, but without gravity they are actually somewhat weaker. So, you know, in a scenario to where, as a society, we lowered, possibly lowered our immune system. Now, there needs to be some scientific work on this. I don't believe there's any studies that I'm aware of that looking at that. I, I look enough to see if they're out there, but I don't read every magazine or every scientific journal. But I do scan enough to look for that kind of thing, and I haven't seen much out there about it. But I'd be real curious, and I'm not even sure how you conduct such a study. What do you do? Take a bunch of people, half of them you exposed to something else, and half you don't. Well, that means you're trying to get half of them sick, and it's not necessarily a study that is going to be allowed anyway. But I'd be curious to see if our uh, immune systems have been weakened to a host of other things that uh, have happened because we haven't been exposed. So, you know, we've decreased our exposure to other people. We've decreased the transmission. Therefore, we have maybe not gotten sick during that time frame, but maybe weakened ourselves to become more likely to become sick with other things. And I'm not talking COVID because that's evolved enough. Maybe the next virus that comes around, we're more susceptible because our immune systems are less defensive now. 
So it's a question that validly needs to be looked at scientifically. We don't need to dismiss it out of hand or accept it out of hand, but it's certainly something we should be looking at. And one of the reasons I suggest we need to be back into a more normal scenario, getting exposed more. If we happen to come up with minor illnesses and sicknesses because we're hanging around our grandchildren or our children who are going back to school, albeit you know, we have to be exposed to keep our immune systems functioning properly, uh, it's just, you know, part of playing in the dirt. They used to say the kids who play in the dirt wind up with better immune systems. Well, yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that we need to look at here, and there is discussion on it, and, you know, there's this, I wouldn't call it scientific evidence, but a lot of anecdotal evidence that, okay, are people who've been vaccinated now more susceptible to other types of issues? Um heart issues or other things. I mean, there's a lot of rumors running around. There's a lot of stuff on the internet, a lot of chatter. I, I don't know how many or if many, uh, you know, uh, effective scientific studies have been done or population studies have been done. But unfortunately, I can probably suggest that not much is done on vaccinations when it comes to that anyway. You know, a vaccine comes out and they rarely look at the 10-year or one-year or two-year effects on other types of health issues. You know, we have chronic health conditions today that, you know, a generation ago just weren't rare, and now they're common. Uh, and, you know, we could say, well, it's not vaccine, but wait, 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 we can't dismiss that out of hand. We could say it's food. Well, it might be a combination of food and vaccine. It could be a combination of a lot of things, but we need to look at them and scientifically study, is that a factor? And now that we've introduced a large portion of the population to the COVID vaccine, which I personally can tell you I didn't do, but, uh, you know, to a lot of the population did, a lot of my, a high majority of my patients did. Um, did that create an issue, maybe not immediately or maybe immediately, but did it create an issue that will show up in a year, in three years, in five years? When they reach a certain age, will there be a degenerative issue? Will there be a mental health issue, uh, you know, a, a, a dementia issue? We don't have the answers to those questions. I fear we're not even looking for the data to see if that's the case. Um, you know, I, I know for years there's been this argument about, uh, you know, autism and vaccines. And, you know, the vaccine people run around saying it doesn't cause autism. There are no studies that show that vaccines cause autism. Well, that is partially correct because there are no big studies looking at unvaccinated populations versus vaccinated populations to look at the rate of autism. Uh, if you look at a societal level of people like uh, who don't get vaccinated, chiropractic, people with religious views, you will notice a lower incidence of autism in that group. So is that an actual cause and effect? Well, we don't know that, but the problem is they're not actually pursuing that on a, on a really good scientific study. I fear the same thing is going to happen with COVID. They're not going to pursue what are the long-term ramifications of those who got it and those who didn't on a large population-based study. But it's something as an individual we should be looking for and we should be pushing for and asking for and speaking about on a regular basis. The last thing I wanted to discuss here... Um, was the political aspect. And by that I mean, I am astounded that this issue on vaccinations, on everything else, kind of aligned itself with politics. 
Like one group was pro mask, pro mandate, and one group was no mask, no mandate, no vac. You know, how silly could that possibly be? And you know, I blame the politicians for actually encouraging that separation. You know, a decision about whether or not you get vaccinated, whether or not you do this, or whether or not you wear a mask, should have no political ideology whatsoever. It should be a personal based upon your beliefs and your scientific understanding. It should have absolutely nothing to do with what political party you're a part of or what uh, you know agenda you have politically. But yet our politicians have stoked that um, on both sides of the aisles. I'm not going to blame one group or the other here. And it's just so everybody knows I'm an independent. But on, on both sides of the aisles, I've seen like, you know, on, on the Democratic side, stoking that, oh, if you're not getting vaccinated, oh, if you're not wearing a mask. And on the Republican side, oh, if you're wearing a mask, give me getting vaccinated. Eh, come on, give me a break. This should have no discussion whatsoever on a political level other than are the politicians pursuing the science on every side of that equation? Are they asking the questions about should people get it? Are they asking the questions about what happens if they do? And, and I don't see that. What I see is, uh, you know, this lining up and this uh, identification politics of I believe in freedom, so I don't do this, or I believe in, you know, people being safe, so I'm pushing this. Or, you know, come on, come on. That's the stupidest way to do it. When, when, when a high percentage of a Democratic group gets vaccinated and a high percentage of a Republican group does not, that's just dumb. <laughs> On both sides of that equation. Because that means you're putting your political party... The label you get to wear, an elephant or a donkey, you know, over your health. Don't do that. Make the decision based upon your understanding. Do some research. Do some looking. And don't do it in your own private bubble of what you happen to see on your own private chat room or on your own private Facebook group. Go outside that group. Don't only do it on what you see on the only channel you watch for news, whether it be the Fox side, the CNN side, the MSNBC. Don't, don't do that either. Look outside. Don't take somebody else's word for it. Stop listening to what other people are telling you to do, including me, you know, and make the decision on your health. For It's your health. It's your life. So as we enter this post-pandemic era here, and as we're now moving past all of this, Let's just get calm, get rational, and make decisions going forward on what, one, we believe is best for us on an individual basis. But let's ask the larger questions. Let's ask questions about vaccines. Let's ask questions about the mask. Let's ask questions about political mandates for the future. Let's ask questions on all sides of this. Let's ask questions about the psychological effect. Let's ask questions about the students and about schools. Let's ask questions. Now that we're past the, post the hard part of the pandemic, now that we are post-pandemic, finally, let's ask questions. And thank you for listening to my rant this time on Health Rants. You have been listening to Health Rants. My name is Dr. Bob Braille, and I've been your host. Subscribe to this podcast and join us for future rants on a large variety of subjects related to health and health care. Thank you for listening to Health Rants. Health Rants is sponsored by Braille Chiropractic. Find out more and listen to previous episodes on our website, www.braillechiropractic.com. 
That's B-R-A-I-L-E chiropractic.com. The opinions on this podcast are meant to encourage discussion on healthcare issues and are not meant as specific medical or healthcare advice. You should only seek health advice from your healthcare professionals. This has been Health Rant.